0: Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes.
1: Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome to another edition, another episode of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Thank you for joining us once again. Today, our special guest is Dr. Bailey Norwood ag economics professor at Oklahoma State University in Stillwater. He's not an Oklahoma native, but kind of a naturalized citizen as he's been on campus at OSU since 2003. Today, we wanted to dive in and talk with Dr. Norwood about a couple of courses that he is involved with on campus at OSU and really around the world as well on a virtual basis now. One is his famous farm-to-fork class, that is taught both on campus now as well on a virtual basis and uh, is actually taught on a free basis each summer. It's coming up fairly soon. We'll get to that a little later on. In our first segment, we want to talk about a relatively new course that he's teaching that has so much to do with what's happening in our world today with the coronavirus pandemic panic, Quantitative Supply Chain Management in Agribusiness. Suddenly, all of us are learning the words or the phrase supply chain and why it's important, whether you're talking about toilet paper, whether you're talking about beef or pork or chicken or vegetables. Supply chain matters. And Dr. Norwood knows a great deal about it. He'll share his expertise and talk a little bit about what he's attempting to teach his students that will help them in the real world once they graduate. Today's Road to Rural Prosperity being powered in part by the Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They're celebrating 50 years here in 2020, having been established back in 1970. We'll be back with Dr. Bailey Norwood on today's Road to Rural Prosperity in just a few moments. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. Welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. Thank you for joining us today, and we're very pleased to have with us uh, Dr. Bailey Norwood from uh, Oklahoma State University, from the uh, Ag Economics Department. Bailey, thank you for being with us today, and we, we want to find out a little bit about who Bailey Norwood is. You've, you've mm-hmm. been in, uh, at OSU for several years now.
0: I have. I've been here since 2003 and absolutely love it and would never leave for, wouldn't leave for anything.
1: Let's, uh, t- tell me a little bit about your background. You, you, you're you from the East Coast. I'm from South
0: Carolina, and I uh, grew up rodeoing, calf rope, team rope, that kind of thing. My father did some things in agriculture. He was a watermelon broker, uh, raised some popcorn, raised some melons. And, and I was around agriculture a lot, but um, not from like a working farm.
1: Okay, so... Uh,
0: and we didn't have FFA, we didn't have four H, any of the things that mm, I've learned young kids here have.
1: Yeah. So you know how did how did you intersect with agriculture
0: then? Well, it started off with the horses. I got really in horses, and then I wanted to rope, and to rope you need cattle, and I, I, you know, and I and so I got cattle, and I just enjoyed being around them, and mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more about them, and so I would I would often visit people's farms and say, "Can I just hang around and learn from you?" And then, and I started taking jobs at different places, and so I've I've worked on several cattle farms, worked on a pig farm or two, that kind of thing. And that's what got me interested in agriculture. So I went to uh, Clemson University and majored in ag econ. Graduated with only eight people there, whereas, whereas you know, Mm -hmm. here at OSU. You know, we have around 600 total students, so mm. agriculture is much smaller in South Carolina.
1: Right. But, uh, well, at least at least you were able to kind of keep the orange going from Clemson That's to That's right. So. That's right. So, you know, what, did, you, did you get into ag econ right in you know, at Clemson?
0: Not right away. I started off in animal science, and I, uh, I went into – I took my first ag econ course, and I frankly thought it was very easy. <laughs> and and I I said, well, you know, I, maybe I've kind of got a knack for this. Maybe it's kind of just the way I think. And so mm-hmm. I took some more courses in it, and turned out it was just something I was uh, better at than other subjects. And so I stayed in it, and and wow, I'm glad I did because I ended up here as a professor of ag
1: econ, which I just think is the best job in the world. Tell, tell me, you know, how, how long have you been here on since two thousand three? Two thousand three. Right. You got a couple of years under your belt. Yes. Then. So. Yes. Uh, you know, with, with that, with that said, you know what, what really has got you? In other words, what really captures your interest when you when you think about uh, teaching ag economics?
0: Well, I love being at this particular university because they. Uh, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but they actually they really love the students they really care about the students and you know you go to any university they're Mm -hmm. going to tell you students are number one for us their Mm -hmm. success is the number one thing for us but it isn't always like that but here in the ferguson college of ag it really is like you can just it's the culture Mm -hmm. like when you when you're a professor in the college of ag you don't in your Got a teaching appointment you don't get tenure unless you're a good teacher mm-hmm. and that's how you make sure you have good teachers and, and teachers who care about the students so what that means is you know it's probably someone listening to this and i've advised their child or taught their child that means i can spend extra time and make sure i do a really good job advising them really good job teaching and i'm going to be awarded for it and i'm going to be appreciated for it and that just makes the job that much better and the kids we get are just great students. They really
1: are. I bet one, there's one or two of your students that are out there. Probably <laughs> they probably too. are. So, and and they, they got kids coming up, and they're going to be at OSU before too long. So. <laughs> That's right. I'll be a granddad soon. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So you know, tell, tell me about the, some of the, the courses uh, that, that kind of stick in your mind that, uh, that you've been able to, to uh, be a part of and actually teach.
0: Sure. Well, I'll tell you about the three courses I'm teaching now. To, to me, they're the more interesting ones because they're the, the three newest courses we have. I've mm-hmm. had the, the privilege of being able to suggest new courses, the department approved them, and then had the opportunity to actually do the courses. Mm-hmm. So, So one of them is a course called Researching Consumer Food Preferences where we teach students how to do focus groups, consumer surveys, even taste tests. so uh, We get to eat food and, you know, students like that. Uh, <laughs> another one is Farm to fork, which you can kind of think of as an ag literacy course, and I get to teach students in so many different majors in, in, in that course, and we get to go out and do a lot of hands-on things as well. And then finally, the newest course we have that I've only taught for two years is a supply chain management course.
1: Now, that last one, Uh, I guess maybe more so than uh, any time recently that that boy uh, has caught a lot of folks attention as far as uh, we're we're all about supply chain management right now.
0: I know if you if you haven't heard the word supply chain before um, COVID-19, you certainly have now, Mm -hmm. you know, it's and and the one good thing that will come about, of is going to make it a lot easier for me to teach the class next semester. Because I'm going to have a whole module on supply chain topics during COVID, and it's going to provide a, a great teaching experience.
1: I'm, I'm sure you're writing notes down furiously <laughs> right. as we speak. Right, I right. Mean, you know, this, this, a lot of case studies right here as far as what supply chain is all about, right?
0: Oh, exactly. And, you know, the, the toilet paper one it is, a, is a great example. So, you know, most people have noticed that we're running out of – that we ran out of toilet paper for a while. And when you really look into the reasoning behind it, yeah, some, con- some consumers did go and buy a lot more than they needed. There was mm-hmm. kind of a rush in it. But it was also the case that you've got this one supply chain for toilet paper for, like, um, offices and private businesses. And it's one type of toilet paper. Then you have the other type of toilet paper that goes into the grocery stores. And when one starts to run out, you can't just switch and divert it from one place to another. Because hmm. once supply chain lines get set in these really big companies, it's it's hard to adjust them.
1: I, I you're, you're talking about food as well. We've seen the exact same thing between institutional uh, buys exactly. and retail. Exactly. It's been
0: the, like we've seen with the milk. Uh, We were producing a lot of milk, uh, expecting a lot of it to be sold, say, to schools. And then when the schools shut down, you want to say, well, yeah, people will probably be drinking less milk, but we can divert it to the grocery stores, but it's just not easy. And, you know, we're used to, as consumers, thinking about – well, there's a lot of different stores I can go to, and if they run out of this one thing here, I can just go buy it somewhere else. And we think, consumers think about it being a, mar- a market like that, but in, in reality, uh, a lot of agribusiness, these are really, really big companies, and they're better viewed as almost like, a, almost like an army than they are, say, a, a small shop. And they are brutally efficient because they designed these supply chain lines to be very efficient. And part of that is having really good relations with certain suppliers and knowing mm-hmm. their suppliers well and working well together. And you can't just suddenly say, well, now I'm going to develop a relationship with this other supplier because they may have a different uh, different a uh, computer system that they use mm-hmm. you don't know the people and it takes time to develop new relationships and it may not be worth it uh, assuming that we're going to be going back to normal life in a month or two right and so just understanding how different that's kind of supply chain is in these big institutions compared to like Uh, or small farm is really important these days.
1: I guess what uh, we've obviously seen a lot of disruption within agriculture, but I guess that's kind of happened in a lot of aspects of life because of of, uh, this very specialization that you've talked about.
0: Oh, it absolutely is. You know, and once you get past the farm sector, the ag businesses, um, there are differences between ag businesses and other industries, but probably not as much as you think. It's all very big companies with very, very fine-tuned supply chains. Mm-hmm. They have a particular way of doing – particular technologies that have to work – Well, together, and that's something our – that's one point of having a supply chain management class. That's something our students have really missed because in the past, mostly what we taught was, okay, here's a farm, and they face these prices. Mm -hmm. And all your decisions about, okay, what do I do when these prices change, when fertilizer prices change, when corn prices change, wheat prices change? But when you get into the world of big multinational corporations – there's so much more involved than than just what do I do based on prices it 's um well it's it's i'll go back to the metaphor uh, of an army it 's like when you when an army goes to war there's a lot of things involved, and they all have to work together and you got to make sure everything 's prepared well beforehand and so you are required to deal with a lot more than just prices you have to work with a lot of people mm-hmm. and a, a lot of different technologies
1: what uh, you know as you as you've observed uh i'm sure with a lot of fascination the things that have gone on uh with shortages in some areas and simply not being able to get uh, from point a to point b and, and others what, what what are some lessons that you hope to be able to share with uh, students in future semesters
0: Sure. Well, one kind of big lesson is that a lot of companies are learning that they didn't really understand their own supply chain. For so many years, they had this these maybe few suppliers who were so reliable, they felt like they didn't need to understand, say, where those people's inputs came from. Mm -hmm. And so when there is a backlog of a shipment of something, say, from China – they know it may be an input that eventually gets to them, but they don't know if their input supplier relies on these other people. And 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 then they also realized they didn't understand exactly how the distribution system they sold into worked. So they didn't know what kind of backlogs would be trying to get the product to the consumer. And so a lot of businesses are, and there's a lot of software being developed now to help companies do this, just under just understanding your complete supply chain so you can better forecast when disruptions are going to occur.
1: Right. You know, end of the day, this this obviously a new course for uh, for Oklahoma State University. Sounds like it's it's a course that, uh, as you project forward, uh, in, in light of this crisis and this pandemic, if you want to call it that, uh, it, it's going to be something that will be, uh, I would think, pretty popular down the road.
0: It will. And, you know, the funny thing is our students – in many ways kind of caught on to it uh ahead of some of the of some <laughs> of us profs. Because they're they're going and interviewing places mm-hmm. and they're hearing the word supply chain all the time. And they notice we're not saying it that much in classes. And a lot of jobs now you know, supply chain can mean so many different things. And so many different jobs are categorized as being part of a supply chain but but they do very different things so mm-hmm. when our students are interviewing with companies now they're hearing supply chain a lot they're seeing that this job requires supply chain and they're learning that when they tell the employers they had a class in supply chain management it really piques the employer's interest
1: mm. so i guess is this something that uh, a lot of other universities have picked up on as well or is always you kind of maybe at the forefront
0: i actually think that we're a bit on the forefront of this. We, uh, I think very few ag-econ institutions have a dedicated supply chain ma- – there are some, certainly mm-hmm. – dedicated supply chain management class. Um, and so we've kind of been ahead head on the ball in, in this front, certainly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the thing I tell them is that uh, about every other class, I'll say, okay, students, what's the most important thing about supply chain management? And after about four classes, they understand, they say, and they'll all all chant, saying supply chain management. (laughs) You know, you just need to say that. Part of it is just vocabulary. Mm -hmm. If you you go into uh, especially these big businesses and you don't say the word supply chain, you're kind of unfamiliar with what people are talking about, you're kind of out of the loop. And you Mm -hmm. may have had good training, but you seem out of the loop and you seem out of touch.
1: All righty. We're talking today with uh, Dr. Bailey Norwood, Oklahoma State University. He's in the Ag Economics Department, uh, OSU in Stillwater. And we'll continue with Dr. Norwood here in just a few moments on the road to rural prosperity. We'll be right back. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. Welcome back. We're here today in Stillwater on the campus of Oklahoma State University. Uh, I haven't seen a student yet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> here it is Just final weeks drops. of the semester, and by golly, uh, we've got a few professors running around. And, uh, this is this is a different experience. I know for everybody's professors included, Bailey. Yes. What, what's going on? I mean, talk, Tell me what, what, what's a typical day like compared to normal when you've got thousands of students here on campus?
0: It's, it's really been okay. And I have to, I have to say OSU did a, a pretty good job, a very good job, actually, of preparing for this. I think they made good decisions, and they've given us uh, every tool they could to help us. And so what is now is I have a, my courses uh, have gone completely online. And that hasn't been that bad. I've just had to change how I do things. Mm -hmm. I cover less material, but I go more in depth on certain type of material that I think they can understand on their own. Uh, But I've had a number of students who have gone back to their home country. And, you know, it may take them a week to get back there. Then they're quarantined in a hotel room for two weeks. And so you've just got to be really patient with them and getting assignments in, and I have some students who uh, will request a one-on-one Zoom meeting for Help on their assignments, and we'll do that. It's, I think it's really going okay. It hasn't been that bad.
1: Speaking of vocabulary, there's another one Zoom. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> a few of us used
0: Zoom before, but now we uh, use it all the time.
1: Indeed. And we're recording on a Zoom recorder now. <laughs> Are today, we by really? Way. That's huh? right. The, the, wow. the actual, it's a different, different deal. Yeah, and the, boy, uh,
0: they were able to scale up quickly.
1: Yeah, they have. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I guess that's another story in and of itself. Oh, yes. So yes. Let, let, let's talk about that other uh, class that has kind of uh, been one of those that. Uh, you've got a kind of little, I guess, a little bit of a, uh, notoriety about. Uh, the, MOOC, is that is that the proper way to pronounce that? This is a type of a type MOOC of course? Class? Yeah,
0: MOOC is M-O-O-C, Massive Open Online Course.
1: And uh, they they were kind of a hot thing here four, four or five years ago. As far they, as, were. Uh, they were. All these universities were bragging about, well, we've got a MOOC.
0: Right, right. <laughs> and so what, what OSU did, OSU said, well, we haven't had a MOOC yet. We need to have one, but what are what's other people doing? What are other people not doing that we can do and be good at? And and they said agriculture. And I actually, think and President Hargis was really on the forefront. It was kind of his thing, is my understanding. And he's really the one that made it happen. I think he was really big into mm-hmm. it. And we put together a committee, discussed different things we could do, and um. I, I was really excited about it because I really wanted OSU to do one, mm-hmm. and I, I think my uh, enthusiasm was evidence. So <laughs> and so they volunteered. You're up. That's right. <laughs> but I was more than glad to do it, and they gave mm-hmm. me and they gave me lots of resources to do. You know, I would. Um, so let me describe the course for a okay. second. Okay, It's called Farm to Fork, and you can think of it as an ag literacy course. Mm-hmm. We try to discuss. How food is produced, concentrating a lot of what happens on the farm, uh, but we also do things at the retail level as well, and, and and we also discuss a lot of controversial issues in agriculture. So, so let me give a couple examples. Uh, for when we discuss hog production, we do a virtual tour of a hog farm where I go in, and I had a, they gave me a great camera crew. I would prepare transcripts ahead of time. And so we'd go through the whole hog production facility and describe exactly how everything works and why it works. And, and like we were talking about earlier, it's really basic ag literacy. So I assume people know nothing. When I say sow, I tell them what a sow is. <laughs> and I even describe, uh, like, the disposition of a hog. Like, I'll mm-hmm. tell them. Hogs are difficult to move. <laughs> you want to get them one place or another, it's often not easy. Mm-hmm. And we'll go through the, the whole building, show them how hog production works. But then we'll also take on the very controversial issue of farm animal welfare. So like for gestation crates, we'll describe why farmers use them. We'll also describe why people oppose them. And we'll show like at different retail places uh, how much more you have to pay for pork not produced in gestation crates. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, And as another example, say, to kind of give a very different example going from farm to fork, we have a whole section on, say, the local food movement. And there I give a virtual tour of the Stillwater Farmer's Market. And we interview people there, like why they go to the farmer's market instead of uh, the grocery store sometimes. We interview the farmers there, like how their products are different. And then we take on the issue of local foods, like is it better for the economy? Does it have a lower carbon footprint? That kind of thing. So I always pair uh, a basic ag food
1: topic with a controversial issue. Now you're you, you've obviously this is a course that started online this uh, open concept. That's right. You've actually let it morph a little bit, and you've had some on campus yes uh, interaction in, in the classroom as well.
0: And it's, it has become so fun to do. And so what we do now we we originally had it completely online, and by the second year I noticed almost all the students taking it were here at OSU, and. Uh, And I thought, well, it's a shame I'm not getting to meet these students and do something fun with them. So Mm -hmm. what I do now is uh, they have to do one project. Uh, One project usually only takes a couple hours, but it's always got to be something where you get your hands dirty, where you do something. And I have a lot of. Is your
1: name Mike Rowe? (laughs) 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> i try to make it kind of like that you yeah, know we yeah. uh and i try to find something the the students are interested in so some students will go to the ferguson dairy farm and milk cows okay. or feed baby calves some uh, one time we sometimes we'll even go to a small farm here and learn to do own farm slaughter of, of young pigs or something. we There's a food pantry here in town called Our Daily Bread, and we actually manage one of the gardens there. And so students will go out, we'll plant grapevines, and we have grapevines there, so sometimes we'll bring a horticulture person in to teach us how to prune the grapevines. We'll plant corn. We'll plant different types of vegetables. But some students even will go to good little eater here in town, a restaurant, and learn how to bake bread. We had some students who went to Iron Monk and brewed a beer beer with Iron
1: Monk. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, this is all about... Uh, I guess, what teaching what agriculture is really all about. That's right. That's right. What what sort of students in in that class?
0: You know, it started off with just about 50 students a semester, but now it's at 200 a semester, and we have to cap it there. Mm -hmm. It's become very popular. It tends to be roughly 70% college of ag students, often usually ag business. A lot of animal science, of course, animal science is such a huge department here, Mm -hmm. you're going to get a lot of them. But we also get, uh, when I first started, it used to be about half microbiology. And we still get a good many microbiology students. And what's happening there is uh, a number of microbiology students found out about the course, and they want to learn about ag, but they don't have a lot of extra hours to take a lot of different ag courses. And this right. was one course where you could get a, a lot of things in at
1: once. Right. So it's kind of almost like a survey type it, course. It is. Light, it light very light much
0: is, yeah. yeah. And it's, we're getting a good many athletes now. Right. It's kind of become popular with the athletes, So that might tell you something about how easy or hard it is. <laughs> no. But it's cool for me because I get to meet some of our great athletes.
1: Now, it, do you still have the online component where someone outside of the College of Agriculture, or the, the, uh, the college, university, can actually take as well? Yeah,
0: so we, we have the regular four-credit version during the spring semester. And then during the summer, I offer a free version for anyone. Mm-hmm. And we just advertise it on social media. And i usually get about eight people, often from Oklahoma, sign up just because they're interested in it. But the main service there is there's a federal agency called the National Agricultural Statistics Service. Mm-hmm. And they're the agency challenged with measuring, mm-hmm. like, how many cows we have, how many pigs are out there, how many acres of wheat, that kind of thing. And they hire a lot of statisticians who have no – ag background and so they have those new employees take this course so that they can know what ag's about because sometimes these statisticians have to go out and talk to farmers and so it gives them that background they need for
1: that What, what what do you you know the takeaway in other words you obviously got folks that understand these things in the first place that are taking it but a lot of folks that maybe don't have as full of understanding uh, given how specialized agriculture is today mm-hmm. about uh, about all this. Do you think they, they they maybe leave the course or come out of the course with a little more appreciation of where their food comes from?
0: I, th- I think so. And what I'd say it like this. You know, the two things students learn is that everything done in agriculture is done for a reason. Mm-hmm. And most of these controversial topics are, are a lot more complex and nuanced than – you might think at first yeah right and so you know we'll have um certainly a a number of students will be they'll start to be more accepting of say gmos once they learn what they really are things like that i would say and then you know the funny thing is you know oklahoma's a big ag state and we have lots of farm kids but typically they're wheat and cattle kids Mm -hmm. they know how to work cattle And they know all the buckle, right? That's right. They show these animals, but they know very little about vegetable production. Mm -hmm. You know, they may they may not know anything about egg production. And so they get exposed to those different things. So even the farm kids need it, really.
1: Right. You know, uh, summertime's coming. Are you going to have another class this year? I will. I will. Uh, How can somebody find out about that?
0: The best thing to do is so just go to baileynorwood.com. Just Google Bailey Norwood, B A I L E Y. Norwood, And you can find my homepage pretty quick. And just shoot me an email and tell me you're interested in the class. And then I'll email you back when you can sign up for it.
1: Okay. That'll be coming up this summer. And it can be taken from wherever they're at.
0: That's right. Probably be available starting mid-May, I'm thinking.
1: Okay. Very good. Bailey, thank you so much for well, your time you. today. It's been a uh, you know, one, one other question as far as, you know, when you, when you think about – where we are, uh, a lot of lot of crisis right now going on within the world of agriculture because of COVID nineteen and low prices that right. uh, and the the un, uncertainty of the supply chain right. that we that we're living with right now. What 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 do you where, where are we are we going to come out on the other side of this thing? You think in pretty good shape?
0: I, I would think. So. Well, let me say it like this: uh, if you're if you're a consumer. And you're, you're you're able to keep your job through all this. You're and you don't get sick. You're really in good condition. I mean, yeah, you may not be able to get the exact foods you want exactly, but you're able to get it no mm. problem. Mm. You know, you're being taken care of. Now, certainly, the people in the the service industry, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that, and I'm really fearful for them. Mm. Um, how many are going to go out of business? I just don't know. I don't think anybody can know. You almost have to wait and see and hope they get enough support to get us through this. And I tell you what, I do not envy the people having to make these decisions about how long the quarantine will last, because that's a tough decision. Did it? It,
1: no, no doubt about that. No, most certainly. That, that's, that's going to be tough. But right. uh,
0: but overall, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with mm. how we've done. Well, there's going to be a lot of pain. But it could have been a lot worse if we had made some different decisions.
1: Right. I guess what uh, the, you, you're pretty familiar with uh, both sides of that supply chain as far as food is concerned. I guess the one word to consumers, we, we, we've got enough food in this country, right? Oh, yes.
0: Yes. You know, and they, there may be some disruptions, especially if some of the meat producers have to shut down for a little while. But it's, it's going you know, to be a temporary disruption. That's, that's the important thing. The things I'd be most worried about is the permanent disruptions that occur to someone's personal life when they lose their job and just have trouble getting back to a similar job. Mm-hmm. The, as far as the food supply is concerned, that's, that'll be okay.
1: Okay. Dr. Bailey Norwood joining us today here from Oklahoma State University from the Ag Econ Department. I'm Ron Hayes on the road to rural prosperity. See you soon.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com proud to be a part of the family of the funk companies.